Hello, gorgeous listeners. Welcome back. Episode 22. It's so wonderful that you're back and you're joining me again. Now, ladies and gentlemen, dear listeners, this week I've had the absolute pleasure to chat with the talented and charming Miss Tempest de Jour from RuPaul's Drag Race Season 7. And what can I say? What a pleasure. Funny, charming. We go right back through her journey from growing up in a pretty strict Mormon background to currently being a tenured professor at the University of Arizona and, of course, a RuPaul's Drag Race contestant and her love of theatre. And uh, we have quite a lot of ideas and things that uh, we're going to pitch to the world. Ideas. We're going to change the world of theatre. Uh, but no, so much fun. Um, and uh, and she will tell us how Tempest became Tempest. I think you're really going to enjoy. Um, also, dear listeners, this episode, just to say that uh, I have finished the show Chinese Whispers at Greenwich Theatre. And what a great bunch of ladies and gentlemen in that cast and crew and I will sorely miss you all if you're listening um looking forward to having a sherry with you soon and catching up um details of further shows very soon and other projects got a couple of things bubbling as I've said before um but I'm going to kind of release those as we get closer to them um next week personally in my life uh I've got time to go to the theatre myself again so I'm going to see part two of Angels in America. Obviously, we've talked about part one. I'm going to see part two, Perestroika. So that's next week. So excited to continue that story. Um, I'd like to give an an RAP to Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, um, who I think was super talented and his ability uh, to convey raw emotion in his voice. One of my favourite songs of all time is Numb. Um, and I use that in my second play, Lightning Strikes. Um, so just to say big shout out to that gentleman and uh, you'll be sorely missed in the world of music and elsewhere. Um, currently, I am fighting my love of Sauvignon Blanc after a day of work. Um, basically, when you're performing, as any performer's probably know not all performers feel this way but there is you have the adrenaline and then sometimes to make up for the lack of the lack of adrenaline when it starts to dissipate you need something else you don't need something else but you feel like you need something else and the tendency is to go and have a glass of wine or two or three um and you kind of i i i didn't drink loads while i was in the show um, because it wasn't a big show of drinkers, but there was kind of the regularity. And even after rehearsals, I'd think, well, I've worked really hard today. I deserve. So I'm currently fighting the, uh, not fighting the demon. It's not that bad, but it is a little bit of a, oh, I've worked really hard today, but there isn't a show and there's no adrenaline, but I've still got that slight urge to pop open a Sauvignon Blanc. So I'm not doing that because we've got to get fit and healthy and in shape for our wedding next year, which means no fun now. Boo. Hiss. Yeah, folks. It's all about hard work from here on in. <laughs> um, just before we go to Tempest, um, because I know you want to get onto that story, so I'm not going to waffle this week with my recommendations. But... My main recommendation this week, usually 
it's a new track, it's a new film, it's a TV show that you may or may not have heard of. But this week I'm going back in time. One of uh, my castmates very generously and very sweetly bought me a double album um, as a thank you for just working together. Um, A wonderful gentleman and I'll be seeing you soon, sir. Um, The album was, or is, called Hits and Pieces, The Best of Mark Almond and Soft Cell. Hits and Pieces, The Best of Mark Almond and Soft Cell. Now, for any listeners who have never listened to, or have only just kind of dipped their toes in the world of Mark Almond and Soft Cell, this is the place to begin. It's on iTunes, actually. I did check. Um, And it's it's not I wouldn't say potted history it's a quite an extensive history of all of his work and all his work with soft cell and it's an incredible collection it, when you hear all the songs together you just realize there are so many classics bedsitter tainted love those are the kind of obvious ones say hello wave goodbye um but then there is his cover of Jackie, um, songs like Melancholy Rose, and on and on. It's just a wonderful collection. Go and have a listen. Definite recommendation. Even if you ignored all the others I've said in the past, this is one for this week. Anyway, which ties me up with going towards Tempest, because Tempest, Tempest and I did talk about uh, his love and also my love of 80s UK music and Culture Club and Steve Strange and the like dead or alive um and sort of uh, that does tie up with mark almond and uh, hopefully if listeners are joining in uh, specifically to listen to tempest and you haven't listened to mark almond i'm sure tempest would agree this is one to go and check out anyway ladies and gentlemen that does lead me to my very special guest very honored to introduce you to the wonderful the marvelous the funny ms tempest du jour so, uh, Tempest, thank you very much for joining me today. Well, thank you very much for having me today. You are most, most welcome. So I'm going to start with Tempest Ashore, which actually is translates to storm today. Am I correct? Pretty much. Yeah, that was the intent anyway. Yeah. Um, so Tempest, is that one of your favorite plays in the in the Shakespeare canon? Uh, it is. It is for sure. And, uh, you know, w- w- when I decided to, to do drag and wanted to come up with a unique name, it wasn't my first drag name, by the way, but um, when I came up with something that was more marketable, <laughs> wanted to something more marketable, I, I, w- I certainly wanted an homage to my theater career and, and my love of Shakespeare. And I didn't know any other queen named Tempest. So I thought, what a perfect drag name. Oh, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Um, um, we'll probably, if you don't mind, we'll probably touch on the play a bit more later on down the line um sure. so um your beginnings you were born in north carolina i was i was my father worked at uh duke university at the time uh, as a director of the medical school there so i was uh i was born there okay and then you were then i've sort of done uh, well you know what the internet gives you <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, you were Brought up in, then you moved and brought up in Salt Lake in Utah. Is that correct? No, 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 no. I, oh, okay. I, I, no, I only lived in Utah when I went to uh, my undergraduate work in college. But I, ah. I spent most of my life in North Carolina, Virginia, 
my high school years in Florida, and then we lived in the Middle East for a, a bit too in Saudi Arabia. Yes, yes, yeah. What and, and what took your family there? Was it work or? Yeah, my father worked for an international hospital corporation, mm -hmm. uh, and his his specialty was sort of patching up mismanaged hospitals. So we'd move to a place for a few years, he'd fix it up, and we'd move to another place. So that's, okay. that's why we lived. Yeah. Um, so going into school, how how was how was school for you? I mean, uh, did you did you enjoy school? Absolutely. I mean, I I was you know I was um, sort of the uh, obnoxiously good child too. I was always I always oh, really? made it my intent to sort of be the teacher's pet <laughs> and to be the super good kid in every class uh -huh. because I I think I learned very quickly that it it, it brought you advantages when it came to grades and. You know, sure. and the, and advantages that you get as, as a school kid, and and um, obviously as an, we were all insecure in school, but especially as a closeted gay kid in school, uh -huh. um, you know, I, I I took every advantage I could. And did that involve? I mean, was performance uh, in there at the very beginning? I mean, have you always been since? You know, is it the old story of from the age dot you were you felt the need to. To, to be in front of people or did that kind of grow slowly? Was it a gradual process? No, I think that's been part of me since the beginning. It's it's the cliche of the performance performing kid, you know, the actor or the drag queen. Yeah. So but 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 you know, ever since I rem I remember uh, very well my first performance at age four. Wow. <laughs> Play playing a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and I, I was the kid, you know, certainly in high school, I became very, very involved. And that was my safe place. And like so many other kids and sure. And uh, I retreated into my my drama world, my theater world in high school. And, and thank God for it. Did you find yourself uh, sort of playing uh, playing the clown um, uh, to, 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 as a protective thing? Just because a lot of my other guests from all ages and all, all, all walks of entertainment have kind of said, even if they're now kind of, I don't want to use the word straight, but, uh, you know, an, an actor who just doesn't veer away from acting, um, that they have always had that as a, it started being the clown was a protective thing. Against, Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, humor, humor is armor yeah. um, for, for many of us gay kids and yeah. who, were, who were growing up. You know, it was, you know, most, I had very few close male friends. Most of my friends were women, girls and mm -hmm. and. and and, and now, even now, women, well, now it's it's pretty evened out now, but, sure. um, but you know, certainly humor becomes your armor and, and a way for people to like you. And, and for someone like me and so many other kids who was sort of obviously gay and <laughs> in mm -hmm. school and, and didn't know how to deal with it or how to, you know, how to express that, um, humor and, and, and theater was, was the great armor yeah, for us. Completely, completely. Um, and also was it your, so your school, was it, um, again uh, correct me if i'm wrong but it was it was a fairly strict religious uh background and and schooling yeah well my school was a was a public school but my my upbringing um as a as a mormon kid was a very very structured very sort of cult you know i, I liken growing up as a mormon growing up um like maybe like some sects of, of Judaism where, where mm -hmm. you culturally everything you do is Mormon. Yep. All your friends are Mormon, all your activities are Mormon. Yep. And so it's, you're in that bubble. Um, 
of, of that. And, 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 you know, we, I would get up and go to religious classes at 5 a.m. before school every day and, okay. and, you know, three hours on Sunday and, and other days of the week in the evening. So it, you know, it was, it sort of swallowed up my life pretty much. Yeah. 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 And so obviously a huge, well, influenced and, and perf- so performance wise, did you actually, was that, did that ever kind of tie in there anyway, along the line, you know, sort of within, within church, was that, was that encouraged to be performing? It, it or? To a certain extent. I mean, I, I would say that the, the Mormon culture is very appreciative of the arts in general. Okay. But with, with restrictions, I, I, specifically remember at a young age the church having these rules at halloween time that you could not wear a mask and you could not dress as the opposite sex oh okay because that was considered wearing a mask would would somehow you know change your personality and and cause you to horrible acts of something i don't know but um but i remember those things and of course as soon as you tell uh, an inquisitive kid he can't do something he's more intrigued by it so yeah indeed (laughs) indeed Completely, uh, totally there with you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, then, you know, when I was in when I was in college to an undergraduate school, I went to a Mormon college, Brigham mm-hmm. University, and the theater school there is actually quite good. The training, except for the fact that they won't perform the works of certain authors because of the subject matter, Tennessee Williams, or or I just think of some of the great right. authors and, uh, and playwrights of the world. They wouldn't do their works because of the drinking and smoking and suggestion of sex and of course what a horrible crime to rob students of that experience no completely so i suppose that means uh, oscar wilde noel coward that was all out the question then really yeah yeah barely mentioned that wow um so because it was well it's it, it i mean my schooling was very was very liberal and um so drama was sort of i i was i was playing a punk version of um joseph in the nativity story when i was 15 weirdly (laughs) so uh so it kind of is just interesting to see to hear that you know the 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 differences in, in in schooling and how it affects your performance career sort of thing um so so you were you were in in saudi arabia for a while and then once you were back uh, in the US, um, you, I, remember, I did hear you, I think either read or was to hear you talking about that you, there was um, suggestion of, of some kind of therapy to sort of, to, to, oh, absolutely. to, to get you, yeah. uh, how to, if you could just explain a bit about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> at the time, it was really when I was in college and away from home that, I, you know, I got to a place that so many of us do that was you know, a very dark and, and sad and lonely place and and so dark and sad and lonely that you, you feel like you have very few choices. I live or I die yeah. because I, I can't keep fighting what I am when the leaders of my church and everyone around me is telling me it's wrong. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I put myself into therapy and, and what they called reparative therapy and still do okay. where, where they try to make you straight or, or change your sexuality, which obviously doesn't work and has been proven yeah. scientifically or doesn't work. But I did that for years and years. And I, I, um, I, you know, any money I ever had, I would put back into therapy of trying to make myself straight. Cause I felt like, you know, if, if there is a God who loves me, he's going to see that I'm doing everything I can yeah. to, 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 to do what he wants me to do according to people, what people were telling me in the church. Yeah. And it wasn't until uh, finally in my, my really my mid, mid-20s 
um, I said, I, I, I just can't do this anymore. You know, I, I, I can't. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I remember the moment I said to myself, I'm gay out loud for the first time. And it was just like, it sounds so cliche, but mm. it was the bird did, you know, it was like a weight lifted off my back and, and, uh, it was, it was a beautiful moment. And what, what age were you when, when that happened? I was in my mid twenties. So you mid twenties. Twenty five, yeah. Mm-hmm. But so saying that, when were you sort of? When did you start fighting that demon? Shall we say? When when did you first? You know, when, how old were you when you were like when you when it you know? I suppose probably similar age to most of us, but you know, was it sort of uh, five, six, seven, something like that, where it was apparent, maybe? Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't ever remember not being gay. Sure. Um, I, I remember very distinctly, uh, um, you know, we have, we have these gossip rag papers, uh, like we, like the national Enquirer and the star here. I know. Yeah. In, yeah. In, okay. You have, you have better ones, but um, <laughs> depending but on your, yeah. Depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. They would always have, my grandmother would get these, these, these horrible gossip magazines and stuff and they would always have pictures of these beautiful shirtless actors and models and i would go in and sneak them away <laughs> as a very very young child and cut out the pictures oh really of these i remember it being very very young and so there was something that was in me and it just felt like you know and i didn't know what sex or or any of that stuff yeah, was at the yeah, point yeah time. i just knew that i liked these shirtless actors yeah so uh i don't i don't ever remember not feeling that way did you have? Did you? I don't know if you, in your family, did you ever have the uh, the catalogs, the um, uh, the the, the catalogs that had underwear pages and all that stuff? I had stacks under my bed. <laughs> Same. Like yeah. JC in America, we had the JC Penny and the Sears catalogs, and it was always the the underwear pages. Yeah, and, and how my mother, well, certainly she had had to have seen them at some point because I had every time we'd get one, I'd put it under my bed. Sure. So uh, you know. It's all the same. We all follow that same. We all followed that same path. I think your 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 quality the quality of your catalogs was it was going to be much higher over there. I think as as were probably a little bit more. The underwear was a bit more covering, shall we say? <laughs> um, you you deal with what you have. Right? Exactly, exactly. Um, so also uh, was uh, just delving into your into your past, but um, I realised that you you talked about that you'd gone on to a, a Mormon mission for a bit. Um, and, uh, was that kind of, that was that the point, was that the last stand for you? Was that the point where you said no more? Um, it was during that time, you know, you're, you're, when you're brought up Mormon, you're, you're told your entire life, this is going to be the greatest two years of your life. This mission you will do. Yeah. And when, and I was miserable for two years, it was, it was horrible. Um, because I, well, for, for many reasons, but, but I, you know, I, it was miserable. Yeah. And, 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 um, uh, and so many of my friends who I went to college with who have come out since, um, I'm, I'm glad to know had the same experience, but, uh, but, uh, it, you know, I, I, I grew up quite a bit on that because I'm a 19 year old kid, you know, being bounced around, mm-hmm. uh, completely out of my control. People don't realize you, you, you can't, you don't have a phone, you have no contact with your family except for Christmas and Mother's Day. They allow you to call your, your mother. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and every three to five months, you're moved to a different location. Mm-hmm. So so there's no, for two years, and it's it's uh, it's kind of That's tough. emotional. Yeah, yeah. and um, 
and you're at your prime. You're 19, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. Um, which is why they do it then. But, sure. um, you know, but it, it, and I was terrified that, you know, we have, there's a leader of your mission we call the mission president. And, mm-hmm. and I expressed to him multiple times during that two years, you know, I have these feelings for men and, yeah. and, uh, and I was terrified because I knew that I was going to be going to Brigham Young University after my mission. And I knew that they were conducting, um, some pretty shady, um, therapies there right. where they were executing gay men, you know, putting, putting electrodes on gay men's genitals and showing really? them porn. And when they became aroused, oh, they would oh shock. It was a, Goodness yeah, it was me. A, a horror movie. It was like a basement in the bottom of one of these buildings and, wow. and the church, the church won't speak about it. And, um, I mean, there's still plenty of men who, who experienced that who are alive and well today, but, um, yeah. I like to speak about it because it's uh, something they should be shamed for. No, absolutely. Um, and, and before that, even I, I talk about this. I do a cabaret act where I talk about this sort of stuff. And and even before that, in the fifties and sixties, they were lobotomizing gay men and women in Utah, the Mormons. Right. Um, okay. Oh my goodness! Even to the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it's it's torture and it's inhumane and um, absolutely. And, and I'm if no one else will talk about it, I will because uh, people need to know. No, to, to, absolutely, definitely. I mean, you mentioned the, um, uh, the the university. Was that specifically a university that relates? Was it? Did, did you have to come through uh, a Mormon uh, background to, to to go to that particular university? You didn't have to be Mormon to attend it. It was ninety nine point nine percent Mormon. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a big university too, and. Um, they have actually a campus in Utah, one in Hawaii, and one in Idaho. So it's it's big, but you have to sign an honor code there. And still to this day, they say you can be gay, you just can't act on it. Right? You can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't wear shorts higher than your knee, you can't grow a beard. I mean, there's all these honor code things you sign off on. Okay. Um, and they and they had while I was there, um, the we call them the gay police, but they they had a sort of police force yeah. that would go to the bathrooms and go places to try and find gay boys and expose them and have them expelled. Wow. Wow. Very, very, very Nazi-ish. That's, it, it, I was going to say, it's, it sounds absolutely terrifying. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was the thought of what, I mean, I would never admit to myself while I was there that I was gay. I just knew that I was fighting this thing. Yeah. I was, I was terrified. I knew I would be kicked out of school and shamed. Yeah. Horrific. So you, so you, so you left there and, and you went to, uh, to grad school. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming from this ultra-conservative uh, you know, educational experience to this super ultra-liberal uh, arts community was it was just magical. I mean, it was it was I was so excited to wake up every day and learn and and just be with all these other artists and and uh, it was just such a beautiful community. I mean, it was it was you know sort of my utopia. Sure, you're, you're just around dancers and artists and musicians and filmmakers and other theater artists and actors and it, it was just beautiful every day. So this is, is this the kind of the, the, the place where you, you, you started, uh, so you were, you were trying everything, acting, um, film studies, you, you were sort of involve yourself in, in, in all and everything you could really then. No, no. I mean, by then, uh, by graduate school, then you're, you're, you're sort of locked into a very specific discipline. So I was there as a costume designer and that's, okay. that's, that's what I was doing. Um, 
but I got to experience, you know, all my friends, you know, work through, through them. And of course, um, and so everything, everything was, uh, was so wonderful. There was always a performance happening, always something being created. Yeah. It was beautiful. A positive experience. Um, and then you, you moved into, you moved on to, to, uh, to New York city. Um, I did. I was very lucky. Um, there's a, a Broadway designer, a costume designer called, um, Paul Taswell, who, who, uh, okay. yeah, he recently did, he did the color purple. He did Hamilton. Ah. He did, uh, he, he's done some very famous, uh, some Broadway shows and, and he was looking for a design assistant. And, um, and so I went right out of grad school and a couple days later was in New York, um, assisting Paul Taswell. Oh, amazing. So yeah, it was, it was, it was very amazing. I was very lucky. And, um, and learned a, a, obviously a huge, a great deal from then. Straight from that on the job. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and being, you know, dropping myself right in the middle of New York. So, and how, and, and, and being and, part of the, yeah, well, to be part of that community, being part of the New York theatre community, but also, I mean, so uh, what year would have this been? That was in the mid 1997. Okay. When I, when I went. Yeah. So before it was and, uh, completely cleaned up and and yeah yeah and I had been I had been going there uh, you know uh, for for several years before that even when I was um, at Brigham Young University on my spring breaks and 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 summer breaks I would travel to New York for a week or a few days at a time and yeah so I I, I I'm so grateful I experienced the sort of seedy nasty New York before it was cleaned up yeah <laughs> yeah before before they what they call Malschwitz um in the 90s when disney came in and cleaned everything up <laughs> but but uh but uh i mean it's great it's great now for the theater community that's cleaned up and more people get to see stuff but um but yeah uh, i see that seedy new york I'll, I'll always remember and glad i was a part of that too uh, did you did you take did you take full advantage of the uh of the gay scene at that point where you sort of did you embrace it I, at that point or <laughs> <laughs> I did. And I was, still, you know, it was funny because I made sort of a last ditch effort when I was there to try to be like a good Mormon boy one last time. I mean, it lasted like a couple of weeks, um, <laughs> but I thought this is my last hurrah. Meanwhile, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, sleeping around as, as every 20 year old does and, <laughs> yeah, and, and having yeah. all the you can have in New York. And, and, you know, it was, it was a wonderland to me of new opportunities. So, I took advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the, the clubs then were probably very different too. I mean, uh, I've only been oh, yeah. to, to to New York in sort of uh, about three years ago, and I, and so it was very different. So I've never I never really got to experience it in its full bloom, shall we say? So I'm a little bit sad. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, back in the days of when Limelight and the Roxy and yeah, I mean, those things, places were still around that are now sort of legend, but um. <laughs> But I'm glad I've got to experience some of that. Yeah. Did you ever make it to, I suppose, 54 was gone then? Well, actually, uh, by then it had been converted into a theater space. Yeah. And, um, and what actually, and, and the first big show that went in there was the revival of Cabaret with Alan Cumming. And, um, oh, it was that production. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and sort of revived that, that, that space. And, and um, funny enough, uh, what a perfect segue that that's actually uh, I was offered the job as as the head of wardrobe for that production at Studio 54. And oh at the, the same oh week, God. I was offered an academic position teaching at a university. And um, 
ended up taking the university position. And so that I, I ended up leaving New York because of that. So, but I almost ended up at Studio it 54. Was, wow. <laughs> so close. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I suppose, so the kind of time-wise at this point, you've kind of, so you found your feet as a gay man. You're finding your feet as a, as a, as well, career-wise where you want to go. And now it's taking you to, uh, to a university. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I was, uh, I still was an insecure person as we, we, we often are, you know, mm. and, and I, and I found myself thinking, you know, I, I, I can do this wardrobe job, which will lead to other wardrobe jobs and, and that'd be great. Or do I want the security of a regular paycheck and great health sure. benefits? And, and, you know, the opportunity to teach, uh, in costumes and, and costume crafts and fabric dyeing and the things I specialized in mm. doesn't along often if ever and I had a foot in the door of academia and I thought if I don't take it now it may never come back so no, so I, uh, I went yeah and so uh, so uh, at which point did you did drag find you you find drag where was this before this this point in time or I, I would assume it's it was it was prior to this you know I I I, I sort of always when I look back at my uh my mother has these photo albums of me as a child and, and there's more than a few pictures of me in drag <laughs> growing <laughs> up, uh, you know, you know, from a very young age. I, and I, I didn't realize it was drag at the time, but, sure. but I had a, a best friend growing up, um, who was a girl who lived across the street and we would put on performances for our parents and, and that sort of thing. And I always uh -huh. played the girl. She always played the boy part. Ah, so, so it was, it was, it was a part of me from, early on and then I remember my mother at probably around age eight or nine uh took me to a therapist and right. uh, it was something I never spoke about until until well into my adult years and um and she still she, my mother still won't admit why she really took me there but I, I know why because the right. only thing I remember this, this asking me is why do you like wearing your sister's nightgown at night <laughs> and um and <laughs> and uh to me there was nothing of it it was warm and long and yeah. flannel and love and and it made me feel good to sleep in and um, yeah. it wasn't i wasn't trying to be a girl i didn't want to be a girl and uh, but my conservative southern mormon parents uh, were freaked out so <laughs> so i i have the opposite story i was t i was sent to a therapist for being extremely shy weirdly enough i mean a lot of us are in the performing oh. arts world but um oh, and sure. the the, the, the uh, therapist encouraged me to be mary poppins <laughs> so, much better therapist than i did <laughs> <laughs> that's where it all began Hopefully. for me <laughs> um but that, yeah so that was, that was divine intervention on your behalf i know so. completely completely <laughs> um so uh just uh, jumping back because you did mention your uh your your previous drag name which uh, uh which i i, I absolutely <laughs> love um, I discovered was, uh, is it Vaginosaurus Rex? Am I correct? Vaginosaurus Rex is what, I, what I was going by. Because I, <laughs> I, the thing is, is, you know, you, you, so many of us have goals and things we really want to do. And then we're, we're our own worst enemy, right? And we come up with excuses of why we can't or shouldn't be doing something. Oh, goodness, yes. That are nonsense. And I, and early on when I really wanted to do drag, I, I'm a six foot six man. And at the time I weighed you know, close to 400 pounds. I was a giant man. Right. Right. And I thought, 
I thought, I, you know, I, I didn't know any drag queens like me. I didn't, there weren't any drag queens like me, which should yeah. have been the reason I did it. But, um, yeah, yeah. but I, I wanted to fit in and I thought, well, Vaginosaurus Rex, something, you know, dinosaurish was certainly a, an appropriate <laughs> name at the time. But, um, so, uh, that's the, I, I, but I was not a fan of drag. I, I, you know, I, I, I snuck into drag shows when I could, when I was younger as a teenager and, and I just thought drag was, was brilliant to me. I've always loved the sort of like hyper reality, super theatrical epic type of theater. And, um, sure. And it's drag, you know? So who would have been the first, who would have been the first, whether it was on television or in a club or anywhere in the world, when you first encountered, uh, drag of some kind, who would have that been? I remember, because I'm old, I can can remember, (laughs) we had um, a, a comic called Nipsey Russell, oh, not Nipsey Russell, who was it that did Geraldine? Um, it was an African-American actor on, was it Ben Vereen? What, who was it? But I remember he did this character, Geraldine. He had a, he had a variety show okay, uh, weekly and on American television. He did this character called Geraldine. And then, of course, there was, um, uh, oh, why am I, this is my age showing because i can't remember now oh the uh, the famously rupaul uh the actor that always did oh my god uh rupaul was in a famous feud with him and told him to get his diapers and uh uh, uh, let's think of that be um oh um not uh charles um milton merle milton merle oh there you go okay i I know the yes yes yeah, so back back in the you know seventies when Milton Berle regularly did drag on television, and, I uh-huh. mean those were my first experiences. But to me, it's funny. I just had this I had had this conversation recently with another um, with another uh, journalist. Uh, uh-huh. She was asking me about what do I think about when straight men do drag in movies now, like Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy and sure. Tyler Perry made this whole career out of this Medea character. Yeah, and I said to me not real drag because there's not a culture and experience to back it up to me that's just yeah. that's acting certainly and it's fun but to me it's very different than when a gay man impersonates a woman oh completely completely you know um, and yeah she, this was a straight woman who i was talking to and she she sort of she, she really didn't get it mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was I was trying very desperately to explain to her. I, I said, I, I don't know how to explain it, except that I don't think you can really be a drag queen if you're a straight man who just does it for a paycheck. Yeah, um, and like you say, it's a role. It's a part in a film. It's a role. It's a bit. It's, it, it's, it's acting, and that's fine. But it doesn't yeah. qualify. Doesn't qualify. <laughs> no, not no. It's not drag to me. So, um, the, the, which also brings me to uh, kind of this slightly away from drag. But I mean, you said one of your. Um, I've, 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 I, you mentioned a few times Lee, the name Lee Bowery. Yeah, um, oh yeah, absolutely. And obviously, uh, Lee Bowery was uh, when I was sort of first finding my feet in London was a creature that uh, I, I would see from afar and be horrified, loved, um, wanted to <laughs> wanted to know, um, was terrified of, but just a, an amazing creature. Um, and uh, so what was it about for you? What was it about particularly about Lee Bowery that, that drew you? What, was it the costumes specifically? I think it was, you know, I, the, I have to say the first time I saw Lee Bowery was someone had shown me a film of his famous performance giving birth on stage at Wigstock in New York. Yes, yes. And, and 
freaked me out. I was disgusted by it and I thought it was horrible. And, yeah. and this was before I was really out. Um, and, and I don't know, I think the more comfortable I became in my own skin, I saw this man who had like no boundaries and, and I was desperate for that type of life, you yeah. know, where I could just live without boundaries. And, and, and he, you know, he, he put his finger up to the world and, you know, and it was a fuck you to the world and he didn't Completely. care. He, he did whatever he wanted and how he wanted and, and he was proud of it and, and, uh, and just brilliant. I just, I, you know, brilliant. I, 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 I don't you, know. You feel no, it inside you right? when yeah. you connect with somebody somehow and millions of people have with Lee Bowery. I'm yeah. not unique. But, no, 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 but it's, but it's true. And, 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 and touched a specific nerve with a lot of us. Um, did you did you manage to see uh, any production either in London or in New York of Taboo? I didn't, and and um, because it closed so quickly in New York. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's you know, and I've actually um, pushed uh, even at my own university and, and other theater companies I know. Uh, occasionally, I'll bring up the title and say, you know, you should really look into, <laughs> yeah, you know, producing this this show. Uh, but no, I, I, it's a great regret of mine. But I have to say too that before before Lee Bowery, we you know, in the early '80s when I was in high school here, yeah, um, we got Culture Club and Boy George, and I was going to ask if fun. yeah, yeah, uh, and that that to me was was pretty magical too. A guy who 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 lived apparently uh, well seemed to live without fear, and to me that was just incredible. And he, he was a hero for that reason. One of Boy my all-time favorite. Uh, of, uh, one of my biggest heroes and always will be um i had the uh, chance to uh, to meet him about three years ago and he saw a play i was in weirdly enough and it was a wow. a play a gay play called the uh, the temperamentals i'm not sure if you're aware of that one that was it was oh, on no. in it was about um the mattachine society so kind of 1950s oh, pre stonewall uh, gay lib group have uh, ha- check it out it's a great play um yeah, temperamentals that. by a guy called John Marins. It's wonderful, um, but he can't see. You know, Boy George too. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry. To no, 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 no. Go on. Such an underrated. I mean, people look at him as as a you know a celebrity and icon, but to back all that up is one of the most beautiful voices. I think such Completely. an underrated and and songwriter as well. I mean, even even just, the voice has changed now, and people say you know it's 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 huskier. I I appreciate it in in all its forms. So. Oh yeah, it just becomes more authentic to me. I think. Yeah. So you were probably aware of Marilyn and Steve Strange and that whole sort Absolutely. of new romantic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So pop. Oh, yeah. So that that's that that that's sort of another question that I was going to ask you is uh, so pop culture wise, um, and, and drag influences and and all the things kind of sounds like they were tying up for you anyway, um, and it was all sort of starting to take a, its natural path, shall we say. I think so. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I was lucky that all, even though I, I was raised in this conservative religious family, I had a mother and a father who were always very encouraging of my creativity and, yeah. and always told me you can do whatever you want to do and be who you want to be and we'll support you. So yeah. I, I was very lucky that in, in that sense. And, and I think that allowed me to have the freedom to sort of dream big. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and, and sort of a, a slight jump again to the sort of potted history of your of your love of theatre. I mean, what was the 
Do you, do you remember either the first play or musical that you, you ever saw that kind of had an impact on you? Um, yes. I, and this is going to sound like a, a cliche as well and maybe made up. But, but when the original production of La Caja Fall from Broadway uh, went on tour, and back, back in the day, in the 80s, the original yeah. cast would go on tour. It wasn't a road company. Sure. Yeah, and and I and my mother bought season tickets and to this, you know, a package deal, and she took me to see Lacage when I was twelve or thirteen, and um and I didn't understand all of it, but yeah, uh, but of course I was my mind was blown completely, and um, I remember Absolutely. distinctly at one point in in the in the second act of the of the show when she leaned over to me and said, "I want to see you play this part someday." And I don't think she meant Zsa. <laughs> 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 I think she meant someone else. But I reminded her of that a couple of years ago, and I said, "This is all your fault, Mom." <laughs> <laughs> now are brilliant. you happy? You got what you wanted. You but, asked um, for it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and I remember seeing that in that same season. I saw um, "Sophisticated Ladies," which needs to be revived on Broadway. It's it's an amazing. I don't know that actually. It's, it's a it's a beautiful sort of musical review and um of duke ellington's music oh okay um and and um and that same season was uh torch song trilogy are yes. you familiar oh i, I mean, mean i yes very familiar like, yes, the plays, right yeah oh yeah and there's a scene there's a scene where where there, there's like an anal sex scene in it yeah yeah and i remember I went with my mother and and she brought some friends of hers from church <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> so and I remember not even a quarter of a way into the show, they got up and walked out. And right. um, I remember staying through the show. And um, and I don't think my mother would have taken me if she really known what it was about. But I yeah. think that I have to look at, at sort of like serendipity, like all these experiences like happen for a reason, you know? Absolutely. It was like the universe whispering in my ear, like, it, you're okay. And here's your yeah. instruction manual on stage, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I felt about it. Have you ever have you had had a chance to to play that role? No, no. I think you'd be I think you'd be wonderful. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm I'm you know. <laughs> I'd it's be tough. happy to play that role. It'd be amazing. So just putting it out there, world. Anyone listening? Anywhere, London, <laughs> New York, or anywhere. <laughs> I'm um, available. Yeah. Um. So kind of again the, so as far as you know we've talked a little bit about um early performers and and uh, drag performers who inspired you and lee bowery and but as far as um kind of actors and actresses kind of in the early days for you who were the people that really kind of uh, pushed all the right buttons shall we say oh wow um you know i i don't remember being sort of uh, as a, as a very, as a young child, really obsessed. Um, I, I remember my, I come from a very like, uh, Southern traditional family and, and my family converted to the Mormon church. So it, we had this mix of like this, this Southern oh, okay. Baptist foundation with the Mormon on top. And, and, um, I remember right. there were actors like Burt Reynolds that my grandmother thought was, was just God on earth. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, I look back now and I laugh at it, but but those were my first crushes too. I remember yeah. thinking, beautiful men like that. When I when I got a little bit older, high school, I was obsessed with Madonna, as everyone was oh, at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but I was that whole era of sort of new wave, new romantic Madonna. I was obsessed with Pete Burns and Dead or Alive. Fabulous. Um, yeah, and and that whole you know Culture Club, all, you know all that stuff. I I still so my, of, and my radio in my car is I have a satellite radio and it's stuck on the new wave eighties station almost all the time. Because they just don't write music like that anymore, and it's it, to me. It's no, so absolutely, beautiful. you're absolutely right. They, they they don't make them like that anymore. It's so true. Um, and uh, well, it's made, it's time for someone to 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 get that started. So Tempest, if there's a band that you want to, t- <laughs> <laughs> um, so so just to to just jump back to because I said I would mention the Tempest briefly. Um, oh. Is there any sort of any of the characters? Would you any favorite character, or is it kind of just a, a the whole? the whole piece that you that inspired in the tempest you. Itself? yeah i don't know you know I, of course i i love i love the integration of sort of like regular people and magic in theater yes and, yes. and shakespeare yes. does it so beautifully and so well and there's no excuses for it it's just it just is you know yeah. and and certainly um i think i can relate to caliban and ariel <laughs> yeah yeah and, and that because they're you know, who doesn't want to be kind of magical, but they have, they have the, their burdens to bear and they're enslaved. And no, absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say we're enslaved to sort of like, I certainly have been my whole life to my culture that I grew up in and to society and laws that don't protect me and yeah. And my family. And, and, and so I, I relate to them and, and, uh, and you know, that just sort of that, that need to be kind of magical and, and something more than just human and yeah. normal. Yeah, um, I think there's also I, I don't know if you if you agree, but there's kind of the the feel that that Prospero because he because he's not going to leave the stage until people cheer him, and that, right. that that's kind of that's we're all there. We we that's that's us as performers. Forget you know a character. That's 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 what a that's what a drag queen is. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere until you give me those notes and you give me a proper yeah. round of applause. It's the same thing. So. You're so right. I, you know, I pitched this idea to um, a theater company once, and they they laughed at me. But did you see um, uh, the movie version of Kiss of the Spider Woman with John Hurt? Yes. And, or was it? Yes. Wayne? Yes. You know that sort of character he played that was a sort of kimono wearing, almost trans type of person. Yeah, kind of almost and, trans. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I always thought that's Prospero to me. Like, what if Prospero was that? Yes. And. And it makes his relationship with Miranda so different and more elegant too. Yes, he's yes. raised. He wants her to be elegant. And he wants her to be refined, and he wants her to be, you know, and, and, and it's his broken dream that he's stuck in as yes. this sort of kimono wearing and turban and makeup and. That's fabulous. Um, that yes, yes. I know. Don't you think that would work? That I, works. I that's would... well. Why is no one? People need to buy into these ideas. This is wonderful. <laughs> I know. Someone needs to hire me for that idea. I know. So again, hello, New York, London, and the rest of the world. Um, no, but yeah, that's I, brilliant. Um, <laughs> I just thought I, I see him as that. Like, you know, what if you know he has a whole male wardrobe as as his position in society dictated back in Milan, but but he yeah, has this yeah, whole yeah. wardrobe of elegant women's theatrical stuff as well. So. Completely, completely, it makes complete sense. Um, so. Uh, other plays are you okay for time by the way i'm just realizing because we yeah, stopped I'm fine. great um because i've got lots of just we're, we're, we're talking about plays we're, we're putting the world to right we're putting the, the whole of the theater community worldwide to rights so let's keep going <laughs> love, it. love it um 
So other 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 gay plays that um that we, that, that have been kind of favourites. You know, we've mentioned Torch Song trilogy. Um, I just recently saw Angels in America. Um, I'd never seen the play before. I'd seen the the TV film. Um, are you is, are you a fan of that piece as well? Absolutely, especially you know, there's the whole Mormon sort of storyline in there yeah. too that yeah. I can certainly relate to. Mormons and drag queens. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Yeah, I, of course, I was very touched by that. I was old enough, you know, I was in high school when sort of the AIDS epidemic hit. And yeah. um, it was yeah. very real. And I saw I saw people I knew, artists I knew, disappear um, because of it. And, and so that's very real. And, and, and I think shortly after that in the 90s, um, there was Love, Valor, Compassion. Yeah. Um, which was, which had a, a profound effect on me just because it was a gay play. And I was sort of, understanding my own sexuality at that time yeah um i, I mean most musicals are gay plays as far as i'm concerned yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know i like shows like I, it's funny i was i had my my children with me in my costume shop at studio at the university yesterday and my daughter was we had done a production of evita last year and she was she saw the the big white dress hanging and she uh-huh. was singing evita and i said you know that's 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 a pretty gay play too <laughs> <laughs> But uh, and, so and uh, certainly, uh, uh, Sunset Boulevard is one of my favorite musicals. And oh, okay. Who doesn't want my husband? <laughs> no, you know? completely. Are your children are your children following you following you into the into the world of theater? Do you think they they love it and they yeah. love they've both expressed an interest of being on stage and performing and um. So you get to be a stage you know, mum. I, I hope so. And I'm going to be a <laughs> wicked one too. <laughs> Um, I so, yeah. <laughs> um, so the uh, so you uh, going to University of Arizona. So you're the head of costume and design there. Um, and yes, twenty twenty years is that right? This is my twentieth year this 20th year, year of teaching. Yeah, amazing. And so you clearly love you clearly love the job. And I do. You know, I I was really nervous. One of the reasons I took the job is because they still they encourage us to be working artists still. So I still do freelance costume design. I still okay. do my drag. I still am out there working um, as a designer and performer. Yeah. Um, but I love um, people ask me all the time, why why did you leave just doing professional theater? And because academic theater doesn't depend on box office receipts. There's not a producer's money you're dealing sure. with. Sure. So we have a certain amount of freedom that that you know professional theater doesn't have, and and I love that. And I, you know, I wouldn't love to exclusively do academic theater. Yeah. Because there's something, something you know, not great about a 20 year old playing a 50 year old on stage all the time yeah. either. But, <laughs> yeah. but you know, um, <laughs> but that's the trade off. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love it. I love exploring and seeing new minds, sort of young minds, have their moments of like Eureka of, of yeah, know, absolutely. Magic. I was going to say you get to see the, the that that moment, the Eureka moment, the blossoming, um, which is which is <laughs> exciting. It, people pay me to play dress up. I mean, this is, I mean, it's a fantasy world. I, I'm very lucky. I would never complain about my job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so t- talking of dress up, so that kind of uh, um, talk about your experiences on the drag race itself on season sure. seven. Um, your so so you so at what point were you did you start auditioning where were you were what what year would this have been and 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 tying in with your in, in with university how was that 
I, I, I began, I had auditioned four times before I got on. Okay. So, uh, the four previous years, this was my fourth, actually it was my fourth attempt when I got on. Uh huh. Um, but the three previous years was as a big girl. <laughs> um, uh-huh. and I mean, people need to know when, when it comes to casting of drag race, it's, it's certainly not about who's the most talented. It's about who fits the casting puzzle piece. Right. Right. Need. And, um, and the year, one year previously, uh, my second audition year, um, they narrow it down to a top 20 and they choose the 14 or the 12 from that pool of 20. Okay. And I made the top 20 and I was, you know, I was thrilled and I was, um, you know, I, I was, I was so close and it was between me and another big girl and the other big girl got it and I didn't. Okay. And it, it turned out to be Latrice Royale. So. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> That's a good a competition. Decision. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, if I have to lose a part to someone, it, yeah, oh. it's okay. This is Latrice, <laughs> yes. so, who I adore. We're great friends, and and, um, and and you know, it was a dream come true to to get cast on the show. It's, yeah, completely. You know, Rue tells you the first day on set, you are now in the Olympics of drag, and this is. I always call it top shelf drag. It's it's mm-hmm. you know, it's there's nothing, there's nothing higher as far as achievement in American drag anyway that I can think of. So it was yes. a real, such an honor. I think it's a, it's a difficult one. I think I've, I've heard that, that uh, certain British Queens have attempted, uh, but, but there's a whole, there's the whole permit situation that has stopped people going. It has. Visas uh, and all that. a shame. I know. I know um, that they, I know for a fact that the producers and casting has, has looked at lots of, of Queens of the UK. Yeah. But there's, legalities that are you know in the way let's hope at some point that that's somehow they can get through a loophole but um i think so did you enjoy i mean did you enjoy the process from audition and uh and and interviews and then being there did you did, i mean obviously you did because you're talking about it with quite a lot of love and respect but was it was it quite was it extremely stressful it, it was uh the process itself, if anyone who's, who's applied or auditioned to be on the show knows there's, there's pages and pages of requirements that you have right. to do. So that's, that's the first step of how they weed out people mm-hmm. uh, who aren't really passionate about it. Um, and my casting process went on for about three months. I mean, it was, it was endless, it seemed like. It, right. It's torture, mental torture to know yeah. that they're considering you and, and what can I do? What can I do to make them love me more? And um, it's just questions after questions and interviews and and they yeah. ask sometimes they ask for more stuff can you lip sync another song and send it to us and okay and, uh, so it doesn't stop no you, you it goes on and on and and uh and it's torturous because you yeah. just want to know that you you're on or not so you can move on and um and and getting that phone call that uh in fact they skype you live I, it's just still the way they do it and, okay. and let you know you show um it's just it's it was a beautiful sort of landmark in my life i felt like to me because you know, i oh, started absolutely. drag late if i hadn't been doing drag as long as most girls and um you know it meant that i had achieved something and regardless yeah. of where i placed in the competition and i put the competition in air quotes uh-huh but, uh-huh um, yeah yep 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 <laughs> but i'll never i'll never regret it it was it, every moment was 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 the hardest thing i've done and the most rewarding thing i've done no, completely. And I think um, one of the things that definitely uh, for uh, with uh, watching 
watching your your story play out and and kind of and then discovering how you got to the decision to audition and kind of the things that that took you there which i which will if we'll we'll talk about in a minute and yeah you know and that uh, your your car accident and that stuff that was mm-hmm. you know that led you to there but we'll, we'll we'll talk we'll talk in a minute if you don't mind but um sure. it seems like you had you kind of made some quite strong bonds with you made some genuine friends uh in your season like with Trixie and Kasha Davis and those people and that, that, that you seem to that you continue to I mean just f- from from what I can see that you can you have a genuine you have genuine friendships which is 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 great to see it, it's it's wonderful. I mean, I, I was talking to Kasha Davis uh, earlier this morning on the phone. We, we're very close. Trixie and I are very close. I mm-hmm. remain close to a lot of girls. Ginger. Um, there's no one I dislike from my season. We all sure. got along very well. But um, the, the the beautiful part of, of it is is the shared experience and and knowing the stress that you're under. Even the I was on three episodes, and mm-hmm. and even just the stress of those three episodes. I went on thinking I'm never going to be one of those girls that goes on and cries and, and, yeah. you know, and breaks down. And, but after a couple of days on set, I, I completely understand why that happens now. It's an intense situation. I mean, you are, you're stripped of everything. I mean, you, you have no contact with the outside world. I was going to say, you know, phone and no, no contact with anyone, well, family. And you can't to anyone else when you, you, you start in a hotel, they put tape across your door. You're not allowed to leave your room wow. in the hotel. You've left. <clears throat> they take you to the van to transport you to the studio one by one. There's no talking allowed in the van. You're not allowed to talk to anyone until you step on set. Really? Wow. Yeah, because they want to catch everything on camera. Wow. And so uh, it's, it's, it's intense like that. And, um, mm. But it's also, I feel like I'm part of this amazing sorority of girls, and there's a hundred and what, 12 or 14 of us now. And, sure. and and I know that, you know, those, all those girls, wherever they are, have my back. I have their back. We have this shared experience and it's, it's, it's pretty wonderful. To be can't that break that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've, I saw that you recently worked with uh, quite a few of the Queens. Obviously you've worked with a few Queens from other seasons all over the place, but on the film, uh-huh. Cherry Pop. Oh, right. Can you oh, tell so us proud. a bit about that? That looks really, it looks wonderful. <laughs> Look, we're we are so overdue for a good gay, especially drag movie. We haven't had one in so long, and no, and and I was so proud to be a part of this film. We just did the premieres in Los Angeles and New York and San Francisco, um, and uh, the, we've sold out all the screenings, and the people have responded really well. And it's just this sort of fun comedy, sort of quirky, kitschy, campy drag film. It looks um, it's, I, Yeah, it's it's Latrice Royale's in it as a boy. Uh-huh. Um, detox is in it. I'm uh-huh. in it. Um, uh, as far as sort of drag race girls go, and then Bob sure. the drag queen is is one of the main characters as well. Yeah, but it's this just fun, fun, you know, silly film, and we had such a great experience doing it. I was a last minute addition to the film. They had originally cast someone else in my part, mm. and a, a queen from Los Angeles, and she dropped out the day before her shooting was beginning, mm. and so it. It was a Friday and I was at work at the university and I received a phone call and they said, you know, we're doing this film and it's about this and we think you'd be perfect. Are you interested? I said, yeah, we'll send me the script and yeah. I'll take a look. I said, no, 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 now. We need you now. Oh. So literally two hours later, I was on a plane to Los Angeles and wow. um, and woke up the next morning having not read the script even and started shooting. Wow. So 
it was it was a quick <laughs> yeah how i was gonna say what was the turnaround i mean it was literally like from the time they told me to the time i started shooting was was about 14 hours maybe yeah, i mean yeah but um we made it work and we made it happen and, it, and i'm really proud of it it's a, it's a great funny film do you know if it's going to be released, um, well, UK-wise, is, is, is it going to be on iTunes or is, is it going to have a UK cinema release? Do you know? I think it'll, it'll be um, available on demand, like Netflix and so forth. I, okay. I believe the date was September 22nd. So oh, okay. soon. In September, it'll be available. Okay. So they go, just yeah. the audience who, so they know when they can actually tune in. Um, yeah. I, I also have it's to direct. Cool. Sorry, carry on. It's through Wolf Video, who does a lot of gay films. Um, yes. They did Hurricane Bianca last year. And... Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, Wolf Video. Um, I just wanted to, because I think it's wonderful, and some people may not have, uh, some of my listeners may not have encountered it and should, is your YouTube video, uh, Tempest Jour's Very Bad Day, <laughs> which is wonderful. And the sweet, all I'll say is the sweet corn is just oh my <laughs> goodness that's but wonderful wonderful a, you know nobody when you go on rupaul's drag race you pray for two things that you win and that you don't go first right <laughs> and and it was it was uh i was devastated to go first i mean yeah. I, I mean nothing had ever hit me that hard in my life i went i went to therapy over it legitimately really because it, it I was so depressed and so sad and so baffled by it. And right. then I realized it's a very manipulated reality TV show. So, sure, sure. Um, you know, <laughs> so, but, but, uh, I thought, how do I respond to this? I'm not just going to fade away. Um, yeah. I, I, I've worked too hard to get here. And so my friends and I came up with this idea and, um, and no one had ever done a video response like that. I put it out no. the day I was eliminated and, and uh, I hope people look at it. It's fun. And it's <laughs> so much fun. And my, it's my so dark. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, just to, to, to so yes, yeah, so, so to, to, to sort of jump uh, back to the, um, to why, you know, what pushed you to, to, to actually audition and, and, and the horrific accident. It just sounded like it was, oh my goodness, that you kind of, and you lost time and, and, you almost lost your life. It sounds. Uh, I, right. Could you, well, the could you explain? Was a wake. Yeah, sure. The, the accident was my sort of life wake up call, and and it happened uh, a couple of years before I auditioned. Mm. Where, and it was uh, just an afternoon with my family driving down a freeway, and evidently there was an accident ahead, so the traffic was slowing, and the the guy behind us uh, did not slow. Right. And he, he, first he said he fell asleep at the wheel. Second, he said he was texting on his phone and didn't mm. see but I, I don't know what the story was. But he rear-ended us and, and catapulted us under a, a truck. And yeah. and I ended up breaking about six bones and my leg was severed and hanging off at the knee. And Wow. I, I was injured really badly. My family was fine. Um, they had some bruises, but that was it. Thank goodness. Yeah. But I ended up spending... Um, uh, a month in the hospital, they reattached my leg, my yeah. bones were healing. I couldn't walk for six months. And while I was there, when you're laying in bed for a month and can't move, yeah. <laughs> you get to think a lot about your life. And I thought, you know, my God, I, I, I need to be around for my children. I need to be around to 
to live life and accomplish yeah. the things I do. And, and that meant getting physically healthy. I was, you know, 160 pounds heavier at the time. Okay. Um, ironically though, I, the doctor told me had I not been so big, I probably wouldn't have survived the impact of that. Oh really? Crash. Yeah. So all things happen for a reason, I suppose. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, so, you know, six months later I'm, I'm up with a walker and, and, you know, sort of hobbling back into work and, uh, and everything just became different. I, one of the great things about surviving near death is, is losing your fear of death. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to other survivors of, of sort of near death experiences like mine and, and, um, it, it, it unburdens you from a lot of things and it just made me feel like, you know, literally any day could be your last. Yeah. So, it sounds like it, com- it it reset. It kind of like it was like a re- complete reset for you. Um, I think a great thing. It was a complete reset, a reboot. Yeah, completely yeah, reboot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank goodness that it all you know ended up being well, not well, for the best, you. but well, you know, it led you to where you are now, and that's you know, that's 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 Absolutely. a good thing. I would I wouldn't be the same, and I wouldn't have. I probably would never have auditioned for the show, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, and, and, and it was one of those things when I thought, you know, what am I sitting around waiting for? I audition for this, you know, I, if you're going to go, if you're going to go for it, go for the, the, the Olympics of drag. Completely, <laughs> so completely. I did. You know? um, so, so you would so that your children were, were, were all good. And so your children, how old, how old are they? They're now uh, seven and 11. Okay. So 11, yeah. you're just getting to that, getting to that age. <laughs> oh, she's, she's, yeah, <laughs> puberty is knocking at the door, and we're uh, yeah. The hormones are raging already at eleven. So, but the desire to be, the desire to get to, to get on stage possibly as well. Oh, for sure, for sure, and 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 um, and boys are starting to happen, and you know, I, I, uh. you know, I'm in for it now. <laughs> um. So, where are you next in the world? What's what's um? Because are, are you uh? Is a summer break happening now? Are you are you sort of? It is. Have a, it yeah. is. And I, I, I uh, in a couple of weeks, I start again at the university, and and um, I'm actually going to be in the UK. Oh, are you? Um, at the end of September, um, in Nottingham for a, a drag festival. It's oh, I, okay. The twenty twenty ninth or something like that of 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 September. Okay. Um, and then I'm doing this. Uh, December, this great, we had this fabulous opportunity. We were actually invited by the Cuban government to come to Cuba. Wow. Um, myself and about 10 or 12 other queens from RuPaul's Drag Race, we were invited by Castro's daughter. Um, My goodness. Yeah. And uh, so we're doing this little sort of cruise around Cuba and, and performing in seven different places there. Amazing. So, yeah. And then um, hopefully um, Australia in the spring and my regular gigs around as well so yes so you have you have hometown gigs as well don't you yeah and local sort of stateside things as well but yeah so what's your do you are you are you a fan of uh london and uk i absolutely i'm I, yes my, uh, <laughs> absolutely yes i mean that's my uh recently i did my dna testing to find out my you know genetic breakdown yeah and overwhelmingly i'm you know sort of uk ireland DNA in me and and ah. uh, and I and I haven't been since I was a young teenager and I'm and I'm so excited to go back and uh, um, I don't know if it was from my like my 
1980s obsession with everything English because all the great bands were from England or yeah or, or just programmed in me genetically somewhere but I'm just uh I just really feel like I need to get to the UK and spend time and and uh see I'm a big some, history fan as well I was gonna so. say do some to see some castles yeah and, and museums and and meet people and and I have uh some great friends I've made over the years who, who live in the UK and, and to have you know people who know the area show me around and yeah. not do it as a complete you know American nerdy tourist so well if you ever need an advice uh, you can give me a shout as well feel free <laughs> Absolutely. when it comes to theater stuff I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give oh you no a absolutely name. please do please do <laughs> um sure. and uh finally because i should let you get on with your day because it is only the beginning of the day for you really um whereas i'm coming to an end of one um finally is there anything you'd like to say to any listeners who might be thinking of kind of of chasing a dream or um or, but are kind of they're held back by their fears um, what yeah what, what would you, you know a word of advice i'll say you know the the biggest surprise and the biggest joy from this whole RuPaul's Drag Race experience has been so many people, especially young people, reaching out to me through social media and, and website and so forth and yeah. and telling me their stories and their fears. And, and some of them live in horrible circumstances where their parents have disowned them or or they're just scared to be themselves. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and you know, I've got to say, uh, you know, my lipstick message on, on the mirror when I left Drag Race, is, is really the mantra I live by, to love yourself, you know, live your truth, and you're never too old to dream. You're never too young to dream as well. I should have written Absolutely. Well, both, yeah. You know, Absolutely. don't waste your life in fear. Fear is, fear is the only thing that's going to hold you back. And, um, and uh, I tell some kids, I tell kids all the time, you know, you know, it took me many years to come to an understanding of myself and who I was and accept myself for who I was. And sometimes your parents take long and your friends take long and you can't expect them to understand right away either. So be patient and, but be true to who you are. But be Don't true be to who you are. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, where can people find you just to, so that's all there um, on social media. On, yeah. Uh, Twitter and Instagram and uh, everything's just Tempest Du Jour is one word. I have tempestdujour.com, which is my website, which is horribly um, neglected, but <laughs> it's a way of through there. But um, uh, I'm pretty easy to find on social media, just Tempest du Jour, everything. Fabulous. So, yeah. Well, I'm. Uh, we're going to say goodbye, and I'll have a quick word of with you afterwards just to thank you privately. But to, for our audience, ladies and gentlemen, that was Miss Tempest du Jour. Thank you, Tempest. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>